Hello and welcome to Geek Sweat. You are listening to the podcast from Instigate. I'm your host Trevor Jones and we are here to give you news, views and interviews on all things film and filmmaking related. We are here recording for live from Ithaca House featuring the blue snowball ice microphones controlled by the one, the only, irrepressible MKH and we're also co-hosted today by Akosh Bolf and Dominic Stinton. Thank you for listening and welcome to Geeksworth. So in today's episode of Geek Sweat, we are going to be talking about peak offence. This is a new term which I'm not familiar with and maybe you not uh, are not too fully aware of yourself. So I'm going to hand over to Dom to kind of tell us what's going on in the world of peak offence and film and TV. Okay, well I guess it's like a media trope of recent years to call anything that has got too prevalent peak. So like you can say, have we reached peak latte? Or Peak Beard. Yeah. Peak Beard was a thing. Obviously, we're all choosing to ignore that, and rightly so. High five for the beards. <laughs> so, but, uh, so, peak offense. so we've gone, but I don't think you've got an offensive beard, so how can we get Peak Offense elsewhere? Thanks, Trevor. Know. Yeah, you don't have one either. So, Peak Offense basically is people taking the opportunity. Mm. to take offence at anything for any reason. So you can volunteer to be offended? I think so. I think people are voluntarily offended by stuff. They take delight in being offended by stuff. Yeah. It's somehow their right to be offended by stuff. Is this on behalf of other people or...? Very often, yes. Ah, okay. okay. So it's... what does this offence look like? Is it like I'm seeing something and that's... Uh racist or misogynist or it can be uh, homophobic or is it um i'm seeing something that i don't understand and now I'm, i need to complain about it um elements of both obviously the racist misogynistic homophobic would be the more with merit side of peak offense okay and um a lot of it is a lot less logical or sensible than that and it can come down to people not understanding something and being offended by their lack of understanding i think i might have be working out where this might be coming from or what it might look like because i remember black panther um a lot of people said some really good things about it about coming to cinema it's gonna be a new cgi film it's making a lot of money and it's quite successful and i think beforehand there was a kind of um, a sabotage program to kind of stop it from being a successful film where people want to downvote it on Rotten Tomatoes through Facebook groups. But then when it did get released and it did become successful, um, you've got this story which is rich in uh, culture, um, access to um, ethnic minority actors, and it's almost a half female, half male cast. But the point I want to say is people started complaining that there wasn't enough representation of the LGBT community inside Black Panther. Right, and I'm thinking, because they represented one community, so therefore they have to represent everyone else. Exactly, and I'm just thinking, it was already breaking up boundaries, creating this kind of ethnic-only, ethnic casting, ethnic lead actor story. And I'm thinking, to create even more uh, boundary-defining boxes, it would have probably undermined what they were trying to do, surely. 
Absolutely, yeah. I mean, you're not going to find me objecting to that. I mean, at this point, I should mention the um, the incident, if you like, which got me thinking about this, okay. which was to do with the film Peter Rabbit. Now, Peter Rabbit, the little Peter Rabbit as in the cutesy, fluffy, Easter-friendly character. Okay. So people unaware of this, Akash Malachi, have you got any idea why Peter Rabbit might be offensive? It... it um... You know what I was thinking of? I was thinking of Roger Rabbit, and I could see why Roger Rabbit could be a person, in, but... The word Roger. <laughs> yeah. And his bussy Which girlfriend. Which is probably but, why um, we're not seeing any uh, re- redone versions of Roger Rabbit. Yeah, but um, no, Peter Rabbit, I have no idea why anyone would be offended by such a cute representation mm. of the fluffy bunnies. Please mm. do tell Let me tell you. Okay, so... Peter Rabbit is guilty of allergy bullying... Allergies. Allergy bullying. Now, I know, Trevor, you have an allergy yourself. so I've got a nut allergy. Yeah, so I don't want to offend you or upset you. You know, there is a safe space next door if this you gets too I'm much for you. I'm itchy just listening to what this is going to be now. What's going on? So Peter Rabbit fires a blackberry into the mouth of a boy he knows to have a blackberry allergy, okay. causing him to go into anaphylactic shock. Is this kind of like Peter Rabbit, the kind of spy thriller, or is there a new version of Peter Rabbit that we're talking about? Yeah, this is Peter the Rabbit for the kids. Of Peter Rabbit. <laughs> yeah, I thought he was for the kids. So he's a, he's intentionally harming a character. He has intentionally harmed another character. Okay, it's and disgraceful we... behaviour on the part of Peter Rabbit, which has attracted the ire of this actual group called Kids with Food Allergies. They have a Facebook post <laughs> and there's um, a Twitter account as well. Hashtag boycott Peter Rabbit. Oh, wow. That's a bit extreme, isn't it? I, I mean, I thought so. I mean, I've tried to play but, like devil's advocate with this. Like, but just to be clear, Malachi, are you saying that the Kids with Food Allergy website is extreme or what Peter Rabbit does in the film is extreme? The Food Allergy website. Yeah. I've, um... And... Obviously, they go in off a clip that is taken out of context. Yeah. So we don't know what Peter Rabbit had to... What, what led up to Peter Rabbit wanting to... Force feed somebody a blackberry. Yeah, because they might, have, they might have beat him into a bloody pulp. This might be a bully rabbit. <laughs> and the only way you can get him back... But Peter Rabbit's supposed to be a hero, so he's intentionally harming a child, so that might also look but bad. Is it a child? Or is it's it a, a human child. Is it yeah. a human child? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Do you know how... How appallingly human children t- treat any type of animal, let alone a yeah. bunny rabbit. Yeah. That child probably deserved it. Exactly. <laughs> he had it coming. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, as the... I understand it, it was the turning point in the film where Peter realised he'd crossed a line and yeah. he had to, like, you know, change his behaviour. Okay. So there is a redemption for Peter Rabbit in the film, but there's there no is redemption a third act in the real life. redemption occasioned by this whole Blackberry incident. As I understand it, I haven't seen the film. I did genuinely att- intend to see the film before this podcast, but unfortunately I couldn't because of unforeseen circumstances. Because it looked really shit. Yeah. <laughs> so let's jump into what was the reaction of Kids with Food Allergies Foundation? Because they've got a very professional Facebook uh, webpage, but what's their take on it? What do they want ha- to happen to the Peter Rabbit? Well, they wanted a boycott, basically, if wow. not a ban. And there the is a very long statement on their Facebook page wow. calling for this. That's amazing. So what other films have been suffered with peak or affected by peak offence? Well, another reason why we might be able to pinpoint this whole peak offence thing is, like, literally every film that was nominated for an Oscar this okay. year has, like, attracted some kind of controversy. Okay, so I see you've got a list here. So you tell me the controversy, I'll tell you the film. 
Three billboards, 2017. Well, I'll take your pick here. Um, minor spoilers if you haven't seen it. Okay. Um, lenient portrayal of a racist character. Wow. Terminally ill character commits suicide, which might endorse euthanasia. Ooh. Dwarf is mocked for his attraction to an able-bodied woman. And this is all in one film. That's all in one film. That is like the whole gamut of offences. It's probably why it didn't win the Oscar. So you've got racism, dwarfism, and euthanasia. Yeah. I mean, it was like the front of the Oscar at one point. So I guess this like tripartite of being offensive just pulled it down. That's interesting because the thing is, um, the lead actress is... um, Frances McDormand. Frances McDormand, exactly. And I think in one of the... I'm not sure if she won a uh, Golden Globe recently. No, he won an Oscar. She won an Oscar? Yeah. Okay, because she mentioned a new phrase that I'd never heard of called inclusion riders. And um, she said that there's this possibility now of actors, directors, producers, all types of contributing filmmakers who can now develop contracts where they're intentionally asking that projects have a diverse cast and crew yeah. and, for, and so there's this kind of paradox now that she's advocating inclusion writers and now she's also part of a project which seems to have create peak offence although she's been singled out from the project because she was rewarded with the best actress Oscar whereas oh. the film didn't win best screenplay that's interesting so it's almost like you're rewarding the individual but not the project yeah, I think that's very much what has happened. I think that film at one point was the massive frontrunner mm. for the Oscar and somehow it got pulled down by these various attacks from different directions. It's like a gazelle getting pulled down by three <laughs> lions. <laughs> but is this, is this like a campaign that happens where it's like, we know this film's coming, uh, we know it's created offence, but we are going to organise ourselves to make sure that we rustle up the right amount of noise one month two weeks, one week before the Oscar nominations. Does, is that how I it think works? it was starting to form itself in that way in relation to some of the other Oscar winners or Oscar-nominated films. Okay. Um, shall I go down the list of other yeah, films? Yeah, so let, let me uh, see if I can come up with another name. So, uh, The Shape of Water, how is that reaching big events? Okay, mute character played by... Oh, yeah, go for it. Bestiality, yeah. Yeah, it's a fish-banging movie. She has sex with the fish. Yeah. I, it's definitely implied. I mean, he's, I see, he's I a see sentient them, lizard, to be fair. Yeah. I can see them embracing. Bestiality. There's some elements of um, the same animation that was, or CGI that was used in um, Hellboy as well, because I remember there was a water-based creature in the Hellboy story, which I think, I'm not sure if Guillermo del Toro directed. Yeah, the, that same, di- the same director. Yeah. So, um, are we looking at bestiality yet? Well, the, the, actual, the actual offensive thing, although Malachi's right, you know, bestiality. Bestiality offends me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can't just say something. I am not advocating bestiality. Yeah. I am just trying to clarify. Like he's just trying to brush bestiality yeah, under yeah, the carpet. Yeah. Well, the thing is, it's We're like brushing it under the carpet. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on. No, but the thing is, I, I, I've seen, we've seen. Don't we have bestiality in Beauty and the Beast as well? Yeah, and I don't like it there. Okay. <laughs> and what about Lion and Witch in the Wardrobe? Is there bestiality in it? Well, there's kind of like his overtly caring nature for kind of animals and like there's a mis use of animals there a misuse of animals uh, okay, I, thought just a, I thought it was just a, a vegan paradise do you know what bestiality is not just about the sexual act it's also about abusing animals as well though isn't it no I thought it it's was purely about yeah, sex yeah I thought it was about, about animals. Animals. Wow. okay so that's a problem yeah I, 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 let's not stick on it too much yeah <laughs> right, don't brush it under the carpet don't stick on it yeah what's the real carpet's now sticking yeah 
<laughs> Occupational hazard. Yeah. So, What's the, the real effect? problem with the film okay. is that apparently there's a mute character, the main character is mute, okay. and she is played by the non-mute Sally Hawkins. Okay. So would they prefer it to, would the campaigners against The Shape of Water, I suppose, or the people who read big events, they would prefer the authentic portrayal of a mute character by a mute ad- only actress? Yeah, this is a leading role in a major Hollywood movie that could have been played by someone with a specific disability that wasn't. But are we also looking at diminishing the role of what acting should be? Because it, in that sense, you wouldn't have, let's say, Daniel Day-Lewis playing in My Left Foot or Eddie Redmayne yeah. playing... Or, or Tom Hanks, Forrest Gump. That, is. Was, <laughs> yeah. that was controversial as well, Eddie Redmayne playing um, Stephen Hawking, even though he had to play Stephen Hawking before yeah. he became disabled, which yeah. you would think would preclude a disabled actor. Yeah. With that specific disability. Yeah. But I mean, had that, had, that show, had that reached peak offence, the Stephen Hawking film? I think that was on the way to peak offence, wow. and we have now, you know, scaled that peak wow. with the recent Oscars. Okay. Like, obviously, there was some offence as well caused by, um, in Breaking Bad, so Walter yeah. Jr. Yeah. Obviously, he had cerebral palsy. He had cerebral palsy in real life, but not to the extent that he was in the show. And people were saying, yeah, they were like, so why is he able to play this character when he doesn't have cerebral palsy as extreme as he he did in in Breaking Bad? (laughs) But what we're looking at there is a misinformed audience as opposed to being offended that somebody who could have had that role has been taking that role, surely. Well, I, I feel that they... The rumblings was that he was taking it, <laughs> taking the role away from a person with cerebral palsy mm. that had, that was worse affected than him. Which was a sh- it was a silly. So to put words but, in your mouth, <laughs> they were being snowflakes. I I I'm a snowflake sometimes. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. Like I, I don't I don't know why people so. The only people that get offended by the word snowflakes are true snowflakes. I, I don't mind if someone calls me a snowflake. I'm I'm of. Uh, what's it called a, an inclusive mind and stuff like that but, but what what Dominic was just saying about yeah. a mute person a mute character yeah. a mute character not being played by a, a mute person is that could be a bridge too there. far I mean yeah, that, that's, that's kind of um that's kind of really. <laughs> it's a, what it means to be an actress. It's a particular. So I think it's, a, it's Al Pacino won Oscar, but the blind character is <laughs> he's not like blind. Five years ago, that yeah, would yeah, be a problem yeah. now. Wow. I mean, um, I mean, I'm looking at this list, and it seems like it's prevalent in a lot of films. Like Jamie Fox would never have been able to play. He got Oscar for that. It works very well. He would have had a Ray Ban. Yeah. 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 Boom. Boom. <laughs> well, I mean, that's amazing. I'm looking down this list, and it seems like it's almost every film that qualified for Oscar nomination has created some kind of offence. So it's like we've got Dunkirk about the perhaps not recognising the contribution of the Royal Indian Army Service Corps. Is that right? That's right. And there was a lot of Indians over there. Though, um, to be fair. And yeah, yeah. But I mean, obviously, I mean, yeah. The story that I saw because I've seen Dunkirk, and it, there was a lot of us story was told from like three perspectives of an air, the fight pilot, the people on the beach and the one guy trying to escape the war and I think it was told as a story over one day, one week and one hour but yeah I'm sure there was plenty of time to say look we could give one of these stories or a portion of the story 
to just identify what he's done. No, that was uh, Christopher Nolan. Oh, and okay. He, the, and he's a guy who spends a lot of time looking at authenticity and truth in his films as well. So it's interesting that that <laughs> the was... the Batman trilogies, love it. Um, well, yeah, I mean, if you think about Christopher Nolan films, he, he tries to film a lot of his films without using CGI as well. So I, I, just, no, I just laughed at you the way you said it, authenticity in, in the scale of... Oh. Uh, it's a comic book. Oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's funny to me. Um, what, what I mean, you've got, you've got other stuff here. There's Call Me By Your Name. There's the relationship with a 24-year-old man, I guess, and a 17-year-old woman, which a is... A 17-year-old boy. No, so yeah, it's just a, a gay movie. It's a sexual relationship, okay. which is possibly what people had a problem with as well, although... Although they kept coming back to the age difference. Age yeah. consent, wasn't it, wasn't it, feel, was it set in Europe? Set in Italy. Yeah, yeah. yeah, consent is a lot lower there. Anyway. Is it a period <laughs> Set in the 80s. So that means, going back to the 80s, I don't think the age of consent for gay men had been lowered until the 90s. Okay, but did the, 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 the film won Oscar? So that means that person being 17 in the 80s would have been underage. Okay. Under the age of consent. And is that what people are actually annoyed at? About the time period, or that is just... <laughs> Let us know. Is oh. it about being under the age of consent in that particular time period, or did just age gap anyway? Overall, oh, just anyway. I think my takeaway from that was the people who objected to the age gap really objected to homosexuality and were like looking oh, for a, a, a way, way to complain about that. <laughs> oh, so this was really about saying we don't want to see we we're going to use paedophilia as a way to say we don't want to see homosexuals. Or, or the gay community representing that, that's the, always the same drawback when you when you start talking about homosexuality you they always try and link it to paedophilia when it's two mm. totally different it's unbelievable but what i was going to say about oscars there was one thing there was one thing that offended quite a lot of people was emma stone presenting the uh, award for the best director and her speech saying that um so she introduced it as we have oh, who was the who was the female director? Mm. Um, There's a girl, girl. Uh, yeah. So yes, yeah, she said four men and girl, whatever oh, that was. Greta Gerwig. Yeah, Greta Gerwig and four yeah. men, and then people were saying, okay, uh, thanks for drawing the attention to the fact there was one woman, but you're not highlighting the fact that this is the first time that you've had a black director. Um, nominated and also uh, mm. the Hispanic director. Uh, no, it's not true. Yeah. It's not he was the first uh, black director. It's not that he, he, the last five years was f four, uh, three or four uh, Mexican director who won Oscar. The last five years. Oh yeah, but yeah. Uh, oh yeah, but in terms of black. No black. This him no. Uh, maybe uh, get nominated. Who? No, the no, 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 no. Steve did. McQueen. Sure. Steve McQueen was. Uh, did he get nominated? Yeah, I'm sure. And he then did. you got Steve McQueen as well for. No, the, the Spike Lee is nominated, but not the directing. The first one was John, um, I don't know, nineties. John. Uh, John Singleton. John Singleton. Singleton. Oh, okay. What did he get out of the for? It might have been Poison Head. Yeah, I think. Yeah. Oh, no, you're taking a piss, are you? No, I'm not. Seriously, is is Poison Head? I'm gonna check it out. I don't now. think that was. No, no, no. I don't the, think that the, was wrong. Uh, See, but back then, by Hollywood. Yeah. When I'm, we had Oscars so white, not so long ago. Maybe. Well, that might show us coming full circle. No, no, no. Uh, uh, actually, the guy, the uh, um, who's the night named? Um, the Get Out director. Uh, get Out. Uh, the actor. No, I don't. The director. His name is Jordan Peele. Jordan Peele. He, he was the movie. first African-American who won Oscar, the best screenplay. 
I was yeah. going to scream it. Yeah. Oh, but yeah, so people were just it, were annoyed that she ignored the fact that it was like. But did you did you know that Samuel Jackson complained about the guy? Can I say something? Yeah. He, what John Singleton, just to be correct, was nominated for best director for Boys No. Didn't win it. What nominated year was that? It's Vaughan. in nineteen ninety one. Number one. Nominated, nominated, nominated Boys in the Hood yeah. in 1990. What the hell? Yeah. Is he was the first one. What's yeah. happening with the Oscars? Why, why, well, why are they going I, around I, the I think, I think the issue we've got about. Um, there was the only five women. Yeah. And there's uh, only two or three uh, black Yeah, that's crazy. Women. They're only half of the population. Only five women have been do you know, nominated. Do you, know do you know what I think the problem is now? If you if you step back at it. Let's have only I one woman. I, I think the woman, issue. One Oscar, the directing. Okay, but this is what I think. I think the issue might be the representation is a problem, but the awards ceremony is not going to address representation. If you've got like 10 men who are making films and two women who are making films in one year, it's the, whatever awards ceremony that happens at the end of the year is always going to have that kind of split between we've only got one, one female director for every six male directors. So the issue is filmmakers are probably not getting the opportunity to uh, to represent themselves in an arena on equally given budgets. But the issue about the Oscars is it'll be, it's too late for the Oscars to kind of redress that balance. No, okay, but because you still got to award who's the best in that group. Or yeah, it, it starts you can't, route, right you, can't turn, you can't turn back and say, look, um, Manchester City, Arsenal, uh, Manchester City, Chelsea, Liverpool, they're top of the table, but I really like Arsenal, so let's give them a Premier League title. I don't see why not. Even, even, even if it's the top four. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're in pain right now. <laughs> yeah. So that's what I'm saying. So if you've got this situation where a team at your Arsenal's and your Newcastle United are not getting the same, let's say, Champions League game time to do their thing, they're not going to get a Champions League medal. And I think if you're not going to give uh, people, if you're not going to recruit the right way, and I, I'm not sure if these inclusion riders is even a good example because that might be seen as a kind of a backdoor way for a lot of people to kind of get in without using merit, skill, and equality. That's like over, that could be overstepping. The you're talking about that's positive discrimination, but I tell you what, no, no. a lot of yeah. shit male directors, Michael Bay for one, yeah, that get money thrown at them despite. Yeah not being very talented in, in my view yeah and um but yeah sometimes sometimes but you the have thing to is, do positive discrimination just get people through the fucking door yeah you do have to do that but i think the, the problem with the the other problem with the industry is like michael bay is giving somebody what he wants there is a group of people and it's probably because the way oh, the internet works and the way youtube works short attention spans want to see explosions oh, definitely. I'm the, I'm they just, want their plot pu plots punctuated with bright lights i'm just picking you up on the, your point about it oh, yeah. about merit and yeah. stuff like that. Oh yeah, I mean, yeah, I think yeah. I think we do need positive discrimination. Yeah. Maybe the inclusion riders for this area that we live in now is the right solution. But I think waiting for the Oscars to rectify a bad recruiting procedure that's oh, gone on for years and years is not going to work. I don't know. I don't watch the Oscars anymore. Yeah. There's other weird weird things. Don't this look. year was the first cinematographer woman yeah. who nominated Oscar. Yeah, this was the first time, and that's kind of deep as well. That's another thing to kind of mention because, like, 
Uh, women have actually been in the filmmaking industry for a very long time and very influential. I mean, you Sometimes can even go back more so than today. Yeah, I mean, even editors as well has been like a predominantly yeah, the, the, actually the first role. first editors in cinema history was women. Yeah, they cut it the with, with and the even, in, even in the kind of the kind of patriarchal, violent, slightly misogynistic world of Tarantino films, Sally Menke, who's passed away, is one of the most influential. Um, editors of Tarantino's back catalogue. So yeah, it is kind of surprising that. And I mean, how long has the Oscars been going on for? It's pretty. It's almost ninety years. Ninety years. And is it? With, are we talking the first female nomination or the first female to win cine, a cinematography nomination? First nomination. First nomination. Oh, so it's not even just winning. And actually, this girl was a Black Panther cinematographer. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I mean, the thing is, yeah. I mean, the thing is with Black Panther. Is I, I but not but not that was a film. Yeah, was I, mean, the film. yeah I think she done something before. But the thing I want, was it for Fruitvale Station? She yeah, she it? she did it. She, she did. Yeah, yeah, she has that sort of working relationship with Ryan yeah. Coogler, and yeah. you know, fair play to him. He yeah. did bring her on for Black Panther. Yeah. So I mean, you know, that's another reason to respect him. It's a yeah, boyhood I mean, or is, something like that. I mean, Ryan Coogler is also an advocate of the Inclusion Riders contract, which I've mentioned before. Of this idea of um, stepping into a contract which almost. Uh, I like him even more now. Huh? I like him even more now. Yeah, I mean the inclusion rider contract because John Boyega is also behind. He's also an advocate for it as well, and the, he's, he's he's quoted saying we are redefining and reshaping the industry at the moment, and he feels that the inclusion riders are fantastic. But I think going back to this peak offence, Black Panther could only do so much in terms of uh, providing diversity at scale. And I think what it's probably done for uh, contributing to looking at women actors, ethnic, ethnically diverse casts, and uh, gender and ethnically diverse crew <coughs> is fantastic. But I think to try and lob in the grenade of it's not LGBT. Um, yeah. well, I, like, I don't know some of those bald women looked a bit butch well the thing is uh, the, <laughs> we might have to wait until the deleted scenes come out I don't know but um, <laughs> I, I think a Black Panther movie needs to kind of show how it's done rather than put in this we're going to do all things for everyone in this film because I think you you probably need that other film like uh, I think it's called Call Me By Your Name yeah. where you need to address maybe a different issue or a different topic with a different type of cast and crew and maybe uh, that might be a, gen- a gender fluid crew I don't know but the the idea is you, you can only expect so much of one film because at some point the main focus or concentration should be are we telling a good story to block the blessings of the LGBTQ plus community right now I'm not trying to block the blessings I just think there there will be an opportunity for us to see um, a, I'm going to say I'm not sorry if it's right but let's say gender diverse crew but to say Black Panther is the time to do it probably would be now there's probably a lot more films that are coming through the pipeline I, mean, I have to watch this Black Panther I think what was that film that came out which was famous for being filmed on an iPhone and it got made into the cinema and it was about um, uh, Mandarin huh? Mon- Tangerine Tangerine yeah Tangerine came out um, I think two years ago and it involved a cast of um, yeah, it's the male, uh, uh, male to female yeah. transgendered community. Uh, unfortunately, it was in the sex industry uh, style of a story because I think one or two of them might have been streetwalkers or prostitutes. So 
in that sense, it probably didn't pass its own version of the Bechdel test. But I think that is the the launch point where tangerine. We've got to improve from tangerine and see what's the other st- type of stories we can tell. Whereas I think Black Panther, it's got so much, so many spinning, so many plates. I don't think it can also be an LGBT platform. That's my opinion. Um, I think that you're very right, but I still support. I love winning arguments. <laughs> I, I still support the. LGBTQ plus. I not really know why no, is the no LGBTQ. No one's saying they don't know. We're no, saying that yes. um, no one, Black Panther has already achieved so much. No one yeah. should expect or want it to do anything other than it's yeah. already but considerable. But it has crossed over peak offence in terms of not representing the LGBT community. And I will say that my next short film, I have <laughs> advocated that more than half of the crew and cast on set are female. I, I should really check if, if some of them are, are, are gay as well. I, I, I would them. really question how you're going to check that and find that out. What if they're gay? <laughs> <laughs> I've got some worries. I'm going to I'm going to ask them. Appearing I'm in cubicles. I'm blunt. During the interview. Are you process. gay? <laughs> but, but, but it, Welcome on set. <laughs> but this is this is uh, interesting because it's like there's so much stuff that we can talk about. I mean, you've got another thing here called uh, Ladybird as well. Which is um, it's it's reached peak offence for apparently talking about purely white feminism, as well. That was um, Greta Gerwig's film, in fact. Yeah. Uh, and what's what's wrong with purely white feminism as devil's advocate? What? Why has that suddenly touched the raw nerve? I think that would be comparable to the Black Panther thing. This film has already covered a lot of bases, and therefore some people are expecting it to do even more, which seems to be putting unfair pressure onto a film which has already broken some boundaries. That would be my take home from that. I mean, some of the other ones on this list, which I don't know if you've got a chance to see, um, Nina was controversial. For? Have a guess. I, I don't no, know. Uh, yeah. Nina is very sensitive, I think, because I, I know the, the a little bit of background. people who didn't like it. Zoe Saldana had a darker skin tone in that film than she has in real life, and some people found that offensive. Oh, that she blacked up. No, no, no. Black face. Okay. No, no, no. I I, I know a little bit of the background about this movie. Because the uh, Nina Simone was an African American, and her her skin was very, very black. Yeah. But uh, Zoe Saldana. She is a kind of Latin. She's actually got blue yeah. skin in Hispanic. real life. Yeah. 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 And she's got yeah. blue skin. No, I thought it was green skin. Joke. Oh. <laughs> I thought it was green. <laughs> no, no, no. They, they, they <laughs> used a lot of makeup. Uh, that was a Guardians of the Galaxy joke, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> and they used a lot of makeup. And the other, other things about this, this movie is uh, this David Oyala, Oyalana. Oh, yeah, he the, the real character in real life. He was a gay person. Okay. And in a movie, this Nina Simon and this this character have a have a love relationship. Okay. And th- that's what the other problem. So they kind of whitewashed or underwashed <laughs> his character. Yeah, but and the, the the these two things. But the and thing about Nina Simone that I would just want to point out is she made a big difference. Uh, I think uh, a big point out of, um, I'm not sure, I'm trying to think whether the song's called Black was the Sweetest Fruit or something like that. Uh, strange but Fruit. Black, Strange Fruit. It's the one about lynching. Yeah, it's the one about lynching. <laughs> and the thing is, uh, um, Nina Simone, I'm getting more emotional about this now, I was thinking about it, but she had spent a lot of time in her career fighting the prejudice of not being the right kind of black or the right kind of skin tone to be seen as 
a technically proficient performer who could get like the really uh, big contracts and the big uh, showcases and she faced a lot of uh, racism and prejudice in like the bars and clubs she played up and down America and a lot of the issues she faced was being this like extremely dark-skinned person who's facing prejudice in like an almost all-paying all-white community trying to get acceptance as an artist so I think there is that slight controversy yeah. that having said that I mean yeah. is Zoe Saldana not the right casting for those yeah. reasons this is, this is the thing it's like I, I can understand it's almost like um, uh, there's this film I keep mentioning it and I keep forgetting what I need to talk about I think it's called Gods of Egypt or e or Egypt Gods and Kings and it was a Ridley Scott movie Gods of, Gods of Egypt Exodus Gods, Gods, of, Gods, of, Exodus, Gods of Egypt thank you guys and there was a Ridley Scott movie it had Sigourney Weaver in it um, and it had Aaron Paul and it had Christian Bale Christian Bale and it was uh, a film set in um, the heart of Africa Moses all this kind of stuff and at the time, it got a lot of controversy because the only black characters in it were playing like thieves, killers, murderers, etc. But I understood it as this would have been a great opportunity or vehicle for a Denzel Washington, a Forrest Whitaker, an Angela Bassett, uh, David Oyelowo to kind of come in and just play these characters in the feature film budget. But I also understood it as at that time, they probably saw Christian Bale. He's... Batman, The Dark Knight, the most successful DC franchise film of all time. It's got Sigourney Weaver in it, Alien, most successful female sci-fi character of all time. Ridley Scott, etc., etc. And it's like these guys have got like ready-made investors, ready-made backers to make that hundred million pound movie happen right now. So I'm thinking Zoe Saldana coming off the back of Avatar, Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, to a lesser extent um, Colombiana uh, she's got that kind of weight behind her to say a Nina Simone film can happen because I think the original no, no. person who was going to play it was um, not MC Light uh, who's that female singer who's quite controversial Tina she's, she's famous for being girlfriend of uh, Tim Patrick Core and Biggie Smalls um, oh Faith Evans yeah, I think it was Faith Evans. That would have been worse. Not. She's even lighter than. No, than no, Zoe. I'm, I'm gonna try and find out who's the original person who's gonna play Nina Simone. Yeah, it cool. was an actual singer who was actually gonna play her. Nina Simone. But go on, Akos. Okay, let you know the the, the Nina Simone movie shooted 2012. Yeah. And uh, it was four years the editing process. The, because it was a problem with the family, it was a problem with the, the media, it was a problem with lots of things. So they completed it in 2012. Yeah. So, so Zoe would have been in Guardians of the Galaxy until 2014. So yeah. It, it creates a bigger question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was before everything. Was, this was yeah, before, yeah. She was selected for it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Because the family was a, was a big fight over this Neil Simon's family. I'm trying to think who the original singer was now. I want to, it's not Faith Evans, it's somebody else. Uh, is it Angela very, Bassett, I think? No, not Angela no, no, Bassett. There's, a, there's another singer who was going to play her, and um, it became controversial that she she wasn't allowed to, to play her. Think of a dark, uh, uh, some a soul singer. I want to say the name now, I'm really going to forget this. Um, it's not, Lauren Hill. I wonder if it could be Lauren Hill. No, it wasn't going to be Lauren Hill. It was going to be someone else. Um, I'm going to put actresses touted to play Mary J. Blige. 
Mary J. Blige. Thank you. Yeah. So Mary J. Blige, um, I'm not sure if you've now slept with uh, uh, I boyfriend girlfriend. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah uh, I'm getting I'm uh, casting aspersions. But yeah, Mary J. Blige was the original actress stroke singer who was going to portray Nina Simone. And for some reason, that didn't happen. And Zoe Saldana was... Uh, because of the, it was just a uh, scheduling conf- conflict. This is his satire in IMDb. There you go. But scheduling conflicts could be the quotation marks to say, like, we didn't like her and we wanted Zoe Saldana. So that's very... I mean, that's the controversy. But in conclusion, uh, Dom, what do we do with peak offence? How do we combat it, continue it, fight against I'd, it or fight for it? Just one... Uh, okay. It's in, in interesting things for me. Yeah about the Get Out movie. Yeah. Samuel Jackson was a big complaint about the um, the uh, the leading actor D- uh, Daniel uh, what's his name? The, um, Kaluuya. Yeah. Kaluuya. Yeah. yeah. Because in a movie he's uh, African American, yeah. but the actor is yeah. British. Yeah, yeah. And Samuel Jackson was freaked out of this. Samuel Jackson freaks out about a lot of things. It was, <laughs> only, it was only a few years ago he was slagging off people like 50 Cent for taking up all of the acting roles that black actors should be taking. So he's saying like people like uh, 50 Cent, LL Cool J, and. Um, Why? He, he, he was just like a thing where uh, he, he just didn't want them doing acting in films because they're saying they're shit and they are um, taking up all the black roles for good, uh, good acting jobs for like, black actors. Coming from the guy that's in, f- in five films per year. Yeah, exactly. Like, he's taking... What? He's taking Samuel Jackson. He's taking roles from other black guys. That's yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't think he ever turns anything down. Yeah. Like, the phone rings, it's like, I'll do it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he probably didn't even ring for long either. It's probably one ring and he picks it up. I, I actually read somewhere that Samuel Jackson... Um, yeah. Make sure he, he always makes sure that he's always got one script on his table ready to be read. Okay. Really? Yeah. This, is, this is what I want to say about Samuel Jackson back in 2002. Uh, Samuel Jackson co starred with Eve on what was then the upcoming film Triple X, but he wasn't too happy about it and he said something like um, he, he resents acting alongside rappers, that he won't even read scripts for the movies where rappers are being considered for lead roles. To take people from the music world and give this is quote from Samuel Jackson to take people from the music world and give them the same kind of credibility and weight that you give me, Morgan Freeman, Lawrence Fishman, Forrest Whitaker, that's like an aberration to me. You just can't do that. He goes on to say, It's not my job to lend credibility to so and so rapper who's just coming into the business. Which could be a slap in the face for somebody like Ice Cube when they're continuing to the uh, Triple X franchise. But that's what he said 15 years ago. Oh. Yeah. Samuel L. Jackson also maintains that the Star Wars prequels are better than the new Star Wars films. Yeah, so you can't really trust his opinion. Mm. Yeah, on that basis, if nothing else. <laughs> but the thing is, isn't Samuel L. Jackson like one of the highest grossing uh, film actors of all time based yeah. on the franchises that he's collected yeah. franchises and films he's been in also the law of averages because he's in so much yeah, yeah exactly but um, I, I still think um, I don't know what's the point we're trying to make about so to return to peak offence how do we combat this how yeah. do we combat this I think one of the things is um, finally some websites are wising up to this like Rotten Tomatoes yeah they were bombarded with like people trying to derail films before yeah. they'd even come out yeah and finally you know they stood up to it and said enough yeah and they banned the group that tried to railroad black panther into a negative rating 
But the, I don't understand the rating system of Rotten Tomatoes either because they've got this thing where the percentage can be lower than the, the star average uh, that they give, and then they say like, okay, we're gonna put a question mark here and they're signing. We're gonna only tell you what the average rating is of everyone who gave it over three and a half stars or more. And like, can you trust Rotten Tomatoes now? If 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 you've got this bombardment of we do ratings in percentages and in stars, and we may or may not have campaign teams trying to downvote films. I think that's a whole other that's a whole other discussion. Can you trust Rotten Tomatoes? Okay. I mean, to be honest, I don't even really know why Rotten Tomatoes is a thing. Yeah. I mean, I remember it from back in the day when there were loads of like novelty websites that did yeah. one thing. Yeah. And how that novelty website has become mm. the be all and end all. It's yeah. such a weird thing. Okay, we'll have to get in that into that in another episode. But I mean, how does Rotten Tomatoes or anything that we do play into or against uh, peak offence? What can we do? I'm not sure there is so much we can do. Um, I mean, one of the things I hate about Peak Offence is it has me agreeing with the Daily Mail and yeah. Toby Young and all these right-wing commentators. Yeah. Like, you know, what the hell are people complaining about? Yeah. I, I hate that about, you know, some of the more extreme things like the allergy bullying. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I do think perhaps we need some kind of cultural change where... Because we haven't even got into, like, Ghost in the Shell... And the white, the, the, the whitewashing, white yeah, Scarlett Johansson. Uh, Scarlett Johansson playing an Asian character when there's so many Asian characters to choose from, and Thomas the Tank Engine with the ethnic stereotyping of international trains. What yeah. nationalities are being represented now by Thomas the Tank Engine? Well, yeah, so I think it's Hasbro, um, the toy company, and they decided to give Thomas ten new international buddies. From who, which countries? Um, I think Russia was definitely one. There was like a taciturn Russian character who was a bit miserable and, you know, kept launching nerve attacks. No, not really. He didn't do that, <laughs> just to be clear. Um, and there was a French one who was probably a bit flirty and okay. an Indian one who was good at maths. You know, very, very broad stereotypes. Wow. I mean, the thing is, uh, I can see that the... Uh, I mean, the Thomas the Tank Engine uh, franchise kind of survives on creating more and more friends, doesn't it? I mean, that's how they make the money now. Isn't yeah, it? well, it's like Transformers or any other toy-based mm. franchise. It mm. expands out by adding new product lines. Sorry, characters. Okay. And that's, that's how it works. So, I mean, there was a clear commercial reason for what they did. Okay. So, um, do you think the issue for, for the, the common cinema uh, goer or filmmaker is that we just got to recognise... Um, when we are being prejudiced or do we have to make slight concessions to say look I can't be all things to all people because I just want to make a film and tell a story I think that sounds that sounds pretty sensible to me I mean there are different strands of peak offence I mean there's the one thing like the Black Panther thing where people mm. want a film that has already achieved a lot to somehow represent mm. yeah. other groups as well which yeah. is just placing too much of a burden on it yeah. and there's another strand where there are you know very right wing for want of a better word people pretending to be offended by films in a slightly mischievous or malicious way because they're trying to kind of coattail or show right another agenda into yeah. a public forum or space. Yeah, which yeah. I think like conflating homosexuality and paedophilia might be an example of that. Mm -hmm. And then there's still another strand, like the allergy bullying, where yeah. you're just like, seriously? But we are f suddenly finding out about a website that we, or Facebook webpage that no one ever really knew about beforehand. Surely. 
Yeah, yeah. You live and learn. <laughs> Every day is a school day. So there's there's an incident of uh, kind of there seems to be like an element of self promotion and a grand self as well as self aggrandizement. If that's the right I word. think people are riding on the coattails of films mm. more than they did before, and they've found that this is a way to do it. Because okay. suddenly, like if you complain about a film, it's mm. it's news. Okay. Yeah. You know, you say this film has offended me for this reason. Suddenly, it's a it's an easy column for. Look, I mean, we're talking about it now. Yeah, I mean, okay. I mean, just to wrap up, what's the film that you've most been offended by when it comes? What what created peak uh, to to show that it's happened to us before? What created peak offence for you in a feature film, Akosh? I think. Um... I think Suicide Squad was offensively bad. Yeah. Do you know what I would I want to say about Peak Offence? I mean, one film that I had a best friend who was peak offended by a film, but I thought it was fantastic, was uh, Robert Downey Jr.'s portrayal of a black man in Tropic Thunder. <laughs> I felt that was the perfect time and the perfect actor to play that type of role. And my friend just couldn't see past the idea of parody and it was just like oh that's a white guy playing a black man's role taking the piss out of black people but if you actually watch the whole film particularly from the beginning because he's always late turning up to cinema if you watch the first 15 minutes of the film you're actually being introduced to a kind of a self-important egotistical actor who thinks he can play and be anybody but it's a two-hand um, comedy in terms of the character doesn't know himself what offence he's creating but it's also looking at the different ways that um, uh, black characters and black stories are marginalised in Hollywood and what decisions are made to allow that to happen so I thought it was a really good way of uh, addressing that and I think it could only have been done like that in a comedy so for me that was peak offence but it was peak offence that I enjoyed Malika? Um, I don't get offended by films because especially going into stand-up comedies anything can be offensive to anyone so what's the point of being offended yeah. if, if, if I know it's going to offend me I just won't watch it Yeah, and I won't promote it okay. but I haven't come across a film um, that's offended me unless it's really really terrible mm. in terms of um, writing and execution okay yeah so bring it back to you, Dom. What is uh, which film has called you peak offence if there was one? I don't know about peak offence. Weirdly enough, um, I really didn't get all the fuss around The Shape of Water. I okay. watched it probably the day after it won the Oscar. Yeah. And um, I didn't get it at all. And um, so you were kind of jumping on a bandwagon, saying I'm only going to watch Oscar-winning films this this <laughs> yeah, week. Yeah, totally shameless bandwagon <laughs> jumper. Um, yeah, but. I wouldn't say I would say offended actually because it's a very cutesy film. It's so cutesy and over designed. It's almost like a kids' film or like Amelie. And um, then there's this graphic violence, and that was weird. And dare I say it, slightly offensive. Wow. Okay. Well, on that note of being slightly offensive, we hope you've enjoyed our uh, report on the meaning of peak offence. Um, obviously if you want to find out more about this don't come back to Geek Sweat, just google search the word peak offence but if you want to find out more about uh, the way people are trying to combat that um, you may want to google search the phrase 
uh, which I've just forgotten now, the John Boyega one is uh, Inclusion Rider. Inclusion Riders, yeah. Thank you for saving me again, Dom. We think we found your role now, just coming in with like just putting words in my mouth. So Google search words Inclusion Riders, I N C L U S I O N R I D E R. Um, thank you for listening to Geek Sweat. We really enjoyed your company. We hope you enjoyed ours. Uh, I want to say thank you to Akosh both. Hi. Thank you to Dominic Stinton. And thank you to uh, our comptroller, MKH. Goodbye. Uh, I've been your host, and we look forward to presenting a new episode for Geek Sweat for you soon. Don't forget to subscribe, and we hope you hear from us again soon. Ciao for now. Bye.